Tēnā koea, no mai, haere mai, my name is Will Appleby and you're listening to Animal Matters. Animal Matters is brought to you by Safe for Animals. We release new episodes every week, so make sure you subscribe on Apple, Spotify or whatever your favourite podcast platform is. You can also subscribe to our newsletter at safe.org.nz forward slash animal matters. April has been a massive month for animals, both the good and the bad. There have been some successes though, which I want to share with you. It's been a while since our last podcast, thanks in part to some of those announcements that have come out of the beehive this month. There's a lot to talk about, so let's get stuck in. Inner city farms have a strange relationship with their community. Most people don't give much consideration to animals in agriculture. They are raised in far away rural settings, out of sight and out of mind. But the animals raised on inner city farms are different. Most people see these animals on a daily or weekly basis. Families take their kids to see the animals on the weekends. To the average resident, they see these animals more like a pet rather than livestock or a unit of production. In a perfect world, this should prompt people to think twice about their consumption habits. But I digress. So it came as no surprise when members of the public in Auckland became outraged late last month when it emerged that Cornwall Park, in a suburb of Epsom, had been selling cows to live animal exporters. Cornwall Park was gifted to the Cornwall Park Trust in 1901 by Sir John Logan Campbell. He wished for the park to be used for the general benefit of the public, for recreation and enjoyment. Today the park is considered an urban oasis, rich with birds, trees and history. For more than a century it's also been used as farmland, with around 6,000 sheep and 60 cows. Some of those cows have been heading to China though. This information emerged thanks to the inquiries of a member of the public. They've asked to remain anonymous, but they had been questioning the fate of cows raised on the park. This led to the park's management issuing a public statement. They said that they were proud that some of their herd would be exported, but the online backlash was swift. This was at a time when opposition to live export was red hot and people were shocked that the cows they knew that they see grazing on green pasture on their daily run would be loaded onto a cramped ship and sent overseas. It caught Auckland City councillors by surprise as well, prompting councillor Josephine Bartley to write to the Cornwall Park Trust Board. The park's management initially doubled down, standing by its decision, which only really made the noise louder. They eventually capitulated, recognising the strong public backlash. They said in light of the concerns, they would no longer export their animals. It didn't stop there though. The same person who found out that Cornwall Park had been selling cars to live exporters also uncovered a similar situation on Auckland Regional Parks. There are 27 regional parks in Auckland, open to the public, which are also used as farmland. The parks are owned and managed by Auckland Council, making these parks ratepayer-owned. It turns out Auckland Regional Parks had also sold a small number of cows to a live animal exporter as part of a trial. SAFE took this new information to the media and, again, Auckland councillors were equally surprised, having no idea their regional parks had done this. Very promptly, Auckland Regional Park Management issued a statement saying that it wouldn't happen again. So, some small wins for animals in Auckland. 
But it wasn't much help to the thousands of animals that were about to be exported. In the first week of April, four ships berthed at Napier Port with a further two in Timaru early in April. The exact numbers aren't known, but each ship would be exporting in excess of 3,000 cars. Likely more. Protests were held up and down the country. The backdrop for all of this, of course, was the long-awaited-for decision from the government. Would live export continue, or would it be banned? It was anyone's guess, and there was no indication when exactly we would have an announcement, other than it was coming soon. And then this happened. It is a controversial practice many have labelled animal cruelty, but now the government is about to end the live export trade. The very next day, Agriculture Minister Damien O'Connor announced the ban, along with a phase-out period of two years. There's a number of issues with this announcement, which I'll get into in a moment. But it has to be said that overall this is a significant win for animals. The live export review began in 2019, but concerns about live export had been going on for decades. This ban will mean hundreds of thousands of cows every year will no longer suffer in the cruel live export trade. But the devil is in the detail, and in this case, there's a lot not to like about the announcement. Firstly, the ban only applies to the export of cows, sheep, deer and goats by sea. This isn't a huge surprise, because the terms of reference for the government's review excluded live export by air. But considering 99% of the animals we export every year are day-old chicks, which are shipped overseas on planes, it means that live export well and truly isn't over. Secondly, the two-year phase-out period means animals will continue to suffer. Reports from the industry estimate over 150,000 cars could be exported this year, and no doubt a similar or greater number will be exported next year. Exporters will be rushing to make hay while the sun shines and extract as much profit from the live export trade while they're still legally permitted to do so. So why the two-year phase-out? The government's reasoning is varied. One example I've seen is that the live export trade is complex and it takes time to shut down an entire industry. In fact, this is what the Prime Minister said on TVNZ Breakfast. I don't completely agree with this. For sure, if cars are currently in quarantine due to be exported, that is a problem. They can't be returned to the farms that they came from due to biosecurity risks, so they would almost certainly be slaughtered. So it would make sense to export any cars currently in quarantine, but that could be the last of it. Livestock that are planned to be exported have to quarantine for four to six weeks, so you could essentially shut the industry down within a few months. We've now learned, however, that some farmers have been breeding cows specifically for export. A short phase-out would certainly be a problem for them, but it's hard to have much sympathy when, for many years, the live export industry have communicated to the public that the cows being exported to China are surplus cows, rather than animals bred with the intention to export. The main argument for the two-year phase-out which I've seen the most is it gives time for the industry to wind down its operations in a way that would be profitable. It's essentially a payout, which the government doesn't have to pay for. But the two-year phase-out is a complete contradiction if the government's guiding principle for this ban is that the export of livestock by sea will always pose animal welfare challenges. Further to that, the government has been very keen to explicitly state that this decision is not about China, 
or the treatment of New Zealand animals post-arrival in China. We do export cows to other countries, but this has become exceedingly rare in recent years, and the vast majority of cows that leave New Zealand go to China. And the reality is, China has very little to no animal welfare protections. Do you actually know what happens to these animals in China? You don't, do you? No, no, we don't always know. They, they, there's a lot of money paid for them, um, and for mostly breeding purposes, and I'm sure that they're well looked after. Why are you sure that they're well looked after? Well, I'm making that assumption. That was Rebecca Wright on TVNZ Sunday, questioning Agriculture Minister Damien O'Connor about the recently announced live export ban. Given the delicate diplomatic situation New Zealand has with China, their eagerness to state that their decision isn't about China or China's treatment of New Zealand animals is less likely to do with animal welfare and probably more to do with maintaining a positive diplomatic relationship. It's no secret that New Zealand is highly dependent on China economically. That trading relationship puts the government of the day in an uncomfortable position when addressing human rights concerns in the People's Republic of China. To be fair, Foreign Affairs Minister Nanaya Mahuta recently restated her position that there is clear evidence of severe human rights abuses against ethnic Uyghurs and other Muslim minorities in Xinjiang. But no doubt, the government wants to avoid openly criticising the PRC on its animal welfare record. So, in short, from an animal welfare perspective, the two-year phase-out makes absolutely no sense. The government, on the one hand, is admitting that there are animal welfare concerns serious enough to warrant banning the trade, but will continue to allow hundreds of thousands of cows to leave New Zealand shores before that ban comes into effect. They could also just stop it, at least within a couple of months. It would cost them, as those who are invested in a trade will no doubt come to the government with their handout, but going by the government's own figures, the trade is worth 0.2% of New Zealand's primary sector export revenue. It's a small price to pay for a principled decision. Since the start of the year, eight dogs have died and more than 300 have been injured in Aotearoa's greyhound racing industry. The figures alone are startling and unsurprisingly have shocked many. But since the greyhound racing industry's last review in 2017, prepared by former High Court Judge Rodney Hanson QC, those numbers are fairly typical. That 2017 report was particularly damning. More than 1,400 dogs had been euthanised in just four years, and 1,200 more unaccounted for. The numbers of dogs euthanised each year have fallen since that report, but a lack of transparency from Greyhound Racing New Zealand has led many, including SAFE, to question the progress the National Body for Greyhound Racing were making on the Hanson Report's recommendation. SAFE had been consistently raising concerns about the treatment of dogs in the racing industry, and for some time it seemed like it was falling on deaf ears. But it turns out, the government did make their own inquiries with Greyhound Racing New Zealand, and apparently, they weren't happy with what they were receiving. So just over a week ago, Minister for Racing Grant Robertson and Associate Minister of Agriculture Mika Whaiteri, who is the Minister Responsible for Animal Welfare, announced that the government would be putting in place a review of the greyhound racing industry. Specifically, the review would be looking at the work being done on animal welfare and safety. In a press release, Robertson said, While Greyhound Racing NZ has reported some progress in implementing the recommendations of the Hanson report, 
Recent incidents show the industry still has some way to go to achieve the appropriate standards. I have informed Greyhound Racing New Zealand that I am not satisfied the recommendations are being implemented in a way that is improving animal welfare and with their failure to provide sufficient information on changes they are making. It is the responsibility of the industry to hold itself accountable and ensure the best possible standards of welfare for greyhounds. Should the review show that progress has not been sufficient, a further fundamental look at the greyhound racing industry may be required. The review will be completed by August 1, which is welcome news considering it took over two years for MPI to complete the live export review, but it's not much relief for the dogs currently still being raced. As if the treatment of dogs in the racing industry couldn't get any worse, last week the Judicial Control Authority for Racing released its judgement on a doping case. Yes, it's not just world-class top Olympians who get caught doping, but greyhound trainers as well. Angela Turnwald was fined $3,500 and disqualified from greyhound racing for four months after their dog tested positive for methamphetamine. The circumstances around how the meth got into the dog system were heavily disputed, with Angela Turnwald maintaining her innocence. But at some point between leaving the kennel and arriving at the track, the greyhound zipping Sarah ingested or was administered the Class A drug, methamphetamine. This isn't the first time this has happened either. It's the third doping case in six months, and the second involving meth. And we don't even know how widespread this is, because only 7% of dogs are drug tested. The review into greyhound racing can't come soon enough, but four months is a long time for the hundreds of greyhounds that will be raced during that time. Considering the very real risks greyhounds are put at every day and the government's acknowledgement of animal welfare concerns, the right thing to do would be to halt racing immediately until the review is completed. Thank you for listening to Animal Matters. This podcast is brought to you by Safe for Animals, New Zealand's leading animal rights organisation and produced by myself, Will Appleby. Make sure you subscribe to stay across Animal Matters on whatever your favourite podcast platform is. If you're listening on Apple, please leave a rating as it helps other listeners to find the show. Until next time, mate wa.